you will this morning, turn with me to our text, which is found in John, the Gospel of John, chapter 6, verse 29. John 6, 29. Jesus answered and said unto them, This is the work of God, that ye believe on him whom he hath sent. Let us pray. Dear Heavenly Father, I thank Thee, O Lord, for Thy great mercy. I thank Thee, O Lord, for Thy life that You impart to Thy children. I thank You, O Lord, that You are the light in the life of all of Thy children. I pray, O Lord, at this hour and the hour to come that You would bless us with Thy presence, that You would bless us in Thy Word. We thank Thee, O Lord, that Thou hast left us the written Word that testifies of Thee. O Lord, may you bring us to thy feet to be instructed. May you give us a humble heart, a humble mind, a mind that is teachable by thee, O Lord, as only thou can. Lord, I pray for those this morning who are not feeling well. and I pray thy healing hand will be upon them and that you would restore them, Lord, as the great healer that thou art. May you bless this day for thy glory and for thy name's sake. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Our text this morning in John 6, 29, Jesus answered and said unto them, This is the work of God, that ye believe on him whom he hath sent. We've now been, it's probably been a good part of a month, we've been in chapter 6 out at school every morning, been uh, methodically going through it. It's so full. It's something that the Lord has really impressed upon me this chapter about the continuation of man coming to Christ with religion and man coming to Christ with their idea and man coming to Christ with their logic. And the Lord over and over refutes that and answers them with Himself. I am that bread that came down from heaven. I am the manna. I am life. And over and over again, we keep having this inability of man to comprehend anything that Jesus said. They could comprehend it on the physical level. And, and that's the problem that we have today is comprehending things on the physical level. Because understanding Christ on the physical level will end in what we have today at the end of this chapter with disciples who followed Jesus a long time deciding that it wouldn't be time anymore to follow Him. It wouldn't be expedient for them to follow Him and they would turn away. That's what the logic of man leads to. The things that Jesus had to say or says about Himself are things that in our flesh and in our fallen nature we readily reject. We readily say, no Lord, those things can't be true. Our text tells us today, as, as many texts in this chapter does, that it's all of Him. That Colossians 3.11 tells us the same thing, that Christ is all and He's in all. Now, either that's true, and there's no partiality of truth in that. Either that is true, that Christ is all and that He's in all. And if you accept that to be true, I'll tell you today, the only way you accept that is by the faith of the Son of God. That's what you'll see this morning, this dialogue that keeps going back and forth between religious men. Religion will damn you. Religion cannot save you. It doesn't matter 
how much you've sat under, it doesn't matter how much you've studied, Jesus Christ is the only way of salvation. And He makes that clear today. I, I was thinking this morning um, about Psalm 14, verses 2 and 3, where David wrote, The Lord looked down from heaven upon the children of men to see if there were any that did understand and seek God. They are all gone aside. They are all together become filthy. There is none that doeth good. No, not one. That struck me because when God looked down upon man, there were children of God dwelling in the land. When Paul wrote this same terminology in Romans 3 and was talking about God looking down, seeing man for what state that they're in, there were children of God there upon the face of the earth. But yet the Bible attests to us that they're all gone aside. They're all together become filthy. And the Lord is testifying of the fall of man. He's testifying that as we all fell in Adam, we lost the ability to seek Him. We lost the ability to go after Him, of Him. We lost that communion. And as I said, the thing that really resonated with me when Paul wrote that and when David wrote that, there were children of God then. Paul was one of them. Paul, Paul knew that he was a lover of God because the Lord loved him first. But Paul left to himself will wander. Paul left to himself would put himself back under the law. Paul left to himself would seek self. That's what he tells us in Romans 7. He doesn't have the ability. He could not find the ability in him. In his flesh dwelt no good thing. And that's such a hard concept as a minister of God to sit and preach that because I know what man out there is saying. Well, yeah, there's good in everyone. That's the way I was brought up. That's the way the old TV show said. There's good in everybody. You just have to look for it. And yet we're told in the Scriptures explicitly that when the Lord looked down, He saw none good. No, not one. How do we rectify that? The, because the Lord, when He looks down upon the children of God... He sees them in His Son, who is good. But there is nothing that dwells within our flesh. There is nothing that dwells within that fallen nature that ever is good and seeks after God. That's what, that's what we just read. So as we come to our text this morning, in John 6.29, we're going to back up a little bit to see how we got here. But Jesus... All throughout this book in John, from the time he, he turned water to wine, from the time that He walked on this earth, He verbatim told man that was right in front of them that they had an inability to come to Him. He said it in John 5.40, And you will not come to Me that ye might have life. That's religious man He's talking to. Religious man who spent all of his life waiting for a Messiah and waiting for to study God and Jehovah in the temple to learn more and more about a being. 
but yet was never, they were never revealed the salvation that was in Christ. Unless we see that on record, unless we see the grace of God, unless we understand how the Lord spoke and dealt with every one of them. Our text today, this is the work of God. But he said this in response to a question. So we back up this morning in 24. This is right after Jesus fed the 5,000. He fed the 5,000 with five little loaves, five barley loaves, and two small fishes. And at the end of feeding those 5,000, they picked up all the fragments that were left and there were 12 baskets full. And boy, did man think that was wonderful. And the droves of people came out to follow Christ in so much that the disciples and Jesus got weary of them and they decided to, to push off and go into the lake. Go across the lake. But then the storm arose. And then Jesus had to appear to the disciples and calm the storm. And then they got to the other side and that's where we pick up this morning. When the people therefore, this is in 24, therefore saw that Jesus was not there. Neither his disciples. They also took shipping and came to Capernaum seeking for Jesus. And we read that and we say, oh, this is wonderful. Look at man, they're seeking Jesus. That's what we want, is it? isn't it? We want all of men this morning in whatever church they're in, in the church we have here today, wherever they are across America, we want them seeking Jesus. Because that's a good thing. And when they had found Him on the other side of the sea, they said unto Him, Rabbi, Teacher, notice the absence of Lord, King, Messiah, Christ. None, nothing like that. What you hear is, Teacher, why did you come over here? Didn't you see the masses of us over there gathering to you? Didn't you see that we were coming thousands upon thousands in droves just to hear you preach? That's flattering, isn't it? Boy, if that happened today, religious preacher man would say, okay, that's where I need to be, where those thousands of people are. They're all coming to hear me. But Jesus withdrew Himself. Jesus went to the other side. He took His, his inner circle with Him and they went across and away from the masses. But the masses followed Him. And they asked Him, Why did you come over here? Rabbi, when camest thou hither? And Jesus answered them and said, Verily, verily, of a truth I say to you, there's no doubt in it. There's no, the Lord said, I'm going to pronounce a truth to you. I say unto you, you seek Me. Not because you saw the miracles. Not because you saw the power of God. Not because you saw something spiritual. Not because you accept Me as Christ. But because you did eat of the loaves and were filled. You saw those twelve baskets of food left. You saw those five loaves. You saw those two fish. And with your eyes... With your physical eyes, you saw that I was something special. A rabbi. A teacher. Something a little bit elevated from a regular man. And that's the reason 
you came over here looking for me. Nothing took place in your soul. You didn't seek me because I'm the Son of God. Remember John 5.40 said to the same people, You will not come to me that ye might have life. They did not want spiritual life. Religious man today fills the places of worship not for spiritual life but for the carnality of going to church to be with other people, to talk with other people, to do their duty for God. And Jesus said, He looked right into their soul and right into their heart and right into their mind and said, You didn't seek Me because I'm the Son of God. You sought Me because I filled your belly. It was profitable for you physically. And then in 27, Jesus says, Labor not for the meat which perisheth. Now every day, most of us in here, the the men here get up and they labor for food and they labor for meat and they go to work and they labor. Is that what the Lord is talking about? This is comparison. That if that's all you have, And that's all you have is the substance that's down here on earth. If all you have is the riches, if all you have is a name, if all you have is the bread that perisheth, I would ask everyone in here, what do you labor for that does not perish? Everything we have is terminal. It perishes. Jesus said, labor not for the meat which perisheth, but for that meat which endureth unto everlasting life. And He didn't leave them to guess what it was. He said, which the Son of Man shall give unto you. Just took that labor thing right out, didn't it? The grace of the Son of God said, I will give it to you. I will give you what eternal life is. That's what I give my children. You can labor all day long. You could get all the accolades you want. You can put things in front of your name and after your name and you can tell God how good you are. But every bit of that perishes. And Jesus said, the Son of Man shall get... This is the first taste of grace right here. It shall be given unto you. For Him hath God the Father sealed. See, it's all of Him. And the Father has said, This is My Son in whom I'm well pleased. And He has sealed the finished work of Christ by the Holy Spirit. The triune God has said that this is the way of salvation. Not your works. Not your ability. Not your name. It's not of you that willeth. It's not of you that runneth. It's of the Lord who shows mercy. And that's every day of your life. That's every day. What I see here is a dependency. Lord, I need this bread every day. For Him, Him hath God the Father sealed. He has put it all in the hands of His Son. And anyone who wants to come and mix that with their own creature hands are not only out of order, they're sinning. That's sin. Anything not of faith is sin. You can try to spin that all you want. 
but it's the Word of God. And then we see religious man's answer again. And that's where our text is coming from. Jesus' answer to their question. Look at their question. Then said they unto Him, What shall we do that we might work the works of God? What a great contrast this is to the day of Pentecost when they were crying out, the Lord, what can be saved? And the Philippian jailer who was crying out, Lord, what can I do to be saved? And anyone who's been touched by grace. What a difference. I want the creative power that God has to do His works. And it's plural. It's plural. Because they see God as compartmentalized. I want your work in my family life. I want your work in my vocation life. I want your work over here. Everything by man is compartmentalized. I don't need you in my social life. But I need your works over here in my health life. I need you to heal me. Everything about man is the will of man to be a co-author of the faith of the Son of God. And the Scriptures tell us it can't be true. Because He is the author and finisher of that faith. Then said they unto Him, What shall we do that we might work the works of God? We've got physical hands. We want to do what you just did. Is this not what Simon Magus said? He wanted the power of the Holy Ghost. And Peter told him, Thy money perish with you. Your ability or your desire to mix grace and works and grace and man-centeredness and grace and the creature is for naught. They said unto him, What shall we do that we might work the works of God? And then we have our text. Jesus answered and said unto them, This is the work of God. This is. You want to to do the works of God? Jesus gives them a singular work. This is the work of God that you believe on Him whom He hath sent. It is the work of God that you will ever believe, and that is the only work of God that He is approved approves of. And that work is His own. It is the work of God for you and I to believe at this hour. And it's the work of God if we believe in a week from now. Belief in Christ, life in Christ, union in Christ is the work of God. Remember, religious man, there's got to be another way. Just tell me how I can do what God does. Tell me how to live and I'll live that way. Well, you have to surrender. Well, man ain't going to surrender. Remember how we started this message. The Lord looked down upon man and He saw there was none good. None sought after Him. Zero. Zero. That's our state before God. That is is where we are every day without Him. 
That is where we are every day as we walk in our fallen nature, after we walk, if, as we walk after the flesh. We can't see Him. But does that send away grace? Absolutely not. We're going to see it. This is the work of God that you believe on Him whom He had sent. Paul said it this way, that your faith should not stand in the wisdom of men. We got the wisdom of men. We got that. We got what that is. We, we can help you out, God. We can do whatever we can to have salvation, to work the works of salvation. We can do those things. But Paul said that your faith should not stand in the wisdom of men, but in the power of God. And we got two little places to go this morning. The first one's in Ephesians 2. So if you don't mind turning with me over to Ephesians 2. We're going to begin... In verse 4, we know how Ephesians 2 starts, that you were, you have the quickened who were dead in trespasses and sin. But for time's sake, we're just going to start in verse 4. But God, who is rich in mercy, for His great love wherewith He loved us, because of His love. You want to know why the Lord does what He does? Because of His love for His Son and all of those that are in His Son whom He died for, who were elected before the foundation of the world. But God, who is rich in mercy for His great love wherewith He loved us, even when we were dead in sins, hath quickened us, made us alive, together with Christ. That is not our work. He quickened us. That means we were the dead the dead one. He's the live one. That's what that means. Quickened us together with Christ by grace we are saved. What, what, no, God. What can we do to work the works of God? This is the work of God that you believe upon Him. This is the work of God. It's called grace. And He doesn't need you and I for that. We're receiving vessels. And He's raised us, look at uh, verse 6, hath raised us up, that's resurrection life, He's raised us up together and made us sit together. Because we're not going to get there on our own and we're certainly not going to wander that way on our own. He has made us sit because we are wandering sheep. And the only way to fellowship with Christ is that it must be the work of God that we believe upon Him. It's the gift of Christ. It's the gift of God that we believe upon Him. He's made us sit together in heavenly places in Christ Jesus. That in the ages, the days to come, which we live in today, that in the ages to come, He might show, and He continues to show. That shows us again, it's not a one-time thing. It's not a regeneration and then God withdraws His hand and you go off and live upon your own power. Oh, well, God gave me faith. I'm going to exercise it. God gave me hope. I'm going to exercise it. God gave me love. I'm going to turn on love. I hope by now in your life that the Lord has shown you without Him, you can do nothing. Maybe He hadn't. Maybe you still think you could do those things. Maybe you think it's in you to tell others. Have faith. Believe. Just do this. It's death. It's absolute death. 
He made us sit together. That in the ages to come, He might show the exceeding riches of His grace in His kindness toward us through Christ Jesus. Ongoing. He continues to show us His kindness and grace through Christ. That's how we live. So everybody, oh, well, I don't understand this life in Christ. He continues to exercise life of Christ in us. That in the days to come, His exceeding grace and kindness is shown toward us to take us from the world, to take us from following after the world, to put that, to stop us in our track, to reveal what sin is, to show us the wretchedness that lies within us, to show us our need for salvation, to, to turn us by the blood of Christ, to show us a righteousness that we don't have of ourselves. That's what He does. For by grace are you saved through faith, and that not of yourselves. That's one thing about Paul is you'll continue to see when he writes, he wants to make sure that God gets all the glory and man gets none. Which we'll come to those passages here in a minute. For by grace are you saved through faith and that not of yourselves. It is the gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast. And we know that to be true, don't we? We boast every day, oh yeah, I did this and I, I'm so glad I got wisdom to do this and I did that. And That's not grace. The conversation of the child of God is, this is what my Lord has done for me. David said it that way. I, this is the Lord who's performed all things for me. Paul said it, Christ is all and in all. Is that true? Is that true? I, I can't answer that for you today. But then, at the end of our text here that we're reading, verse 10, for we are His workmanship. We're His. The work that He's done is by the workman. The one who did it. We are His workmanship, created in Christ Jesus unto good works, which God hath before ordained. you get that? That was ordained before the foundation of the world. I ask you again, what part do you have in it? I know we like to claim that. We like to tell others that. Yeah, well, there's still something we got to do. Not by the Word of God there isn't. It's what He's done. It's what life is that He imparts. That's what life is. Life in Christ is. Which God hath both before ordained that we should walk in them. Now turn with me over to 2 Timothy 1. Continuing on here in our text, this is the work of God that you believe on Him whom He hath sent. In 2 Timothy chapter 1, let's just begin at 6. Wherefore I put thee in remembrance that thou stir up the gift of God. You say, whoa, whoa, well, there you go. There's my part. That's how I. That's, uh, no, no, no. Listen to what he says. Which is in by the putting on of my hands. Now keep, stay with me now. For God has not given us the spirit of fear. But what has He given us? He's given us power, love, and a sound mind. Now we'd be hard pressed to find anything outside of those three things that we need in this life. 
I know I need power because I don't have any. If I'm going to stir up the faith or stir up the, the gift of God that's in me, I'm going to need a power that doesn't reside in my old nature or reside in me every day. It's got to be something that Christ in me has. That Christ in me exercises. That the Holy Spirit says, this is the power of God. And then gives me life and the faith to apprehend it. Which we'll see. We're not done. For God has not given us the spirit of fear, but of power and of love and of a sound mind. Be not thou therefore ashamed of the testimony of our Lord, nor of me his prisoner, but be thou partaker of the afflictions of the gospel. You say, well, wait a minute. Why did he throw that in there? Because it's a cross. Take up your cross daily. Deny yourself. Follow me. How do we do that? By Him, the day of His power. In the absence of that power, our flesh takes over and our flesh rises up and we set out to be religious. And that's what we have in our text today. I'll do it myself. I'll reform myself. I'll, I'll have faith. I'll do this. Be thou a partaker of the afflictions of the gospel according to the power of of God. How do we partake in the afflictions? By the power of God. Once again, no creature who hath saved us and called us with a holy calling. Now to me, He's done it all. He saved us and called us with a holy calling. Not according to our works. He didn't look and say, this one's going to be a good boy and this one's going to be a good girl. We've already read that in Ephesians. While we, when we were dead in our sins, none of us were good. The Lord looked down and said, there's none good. Not according to our works, but according to His own purpose and grace. According to His purpose of grace. According to His will of grace. Which was given us in Christ Jesus before the world began. You know what that does? That secures life for you and I. It was sealed in Christ before the world ever was. You say, well, I don't know if I'll have life. You will! Because it's sealed in Christ. He's the giver of life. Christ is life. But it's now made manifest that life which was given us in Christ Jesus before the world began, but is now made manifest by the appearing of our Savior, Jesus Christ. That's how we know. By His appearing. When He appears to the child of God. Who has abolished death. That fear of death is put down. The life of Christ is exalted. That's how you know the Lord's presence. He has put down the fear of death. He has showed you that sin has been conquered. That His blood covers it. That's the presence of Christ. That's what the energizing of life is. I don't know about you, but when I don't see that, and when I'm dredged all the time in sin, or looking at sin, or looking how bad things are in this world, it's hopeless and I have no power. I have no power to come out of that. But when Christ opens His Word, and when He speaks to my soul, 
And he says this. He says, I've brought life. I've brought immortality to life through the Gospel. I've done that. Whereunto I am appointed a preacher, Paul said, and an apostle and a teacher of the Gentiles. And I hope that's true. For the which cause I also suffer these things. Nevertheless, I am not ashamed. For I know whom I have believed. I know who I believe. How do you know that, Paul? You just told us that it's all of Christ. He says, yes, and Christ is telling me that I know Him. I have a union with Him. I believe in Him. Why? Because I studied somewhere? Because I sat at the feet of Gamaliel? No, because Christ said it to me. I know who I have believed and I'm persuaded that He is able, not me, He is able to keep that which I've committed, which I've sat and said, the Lord is with me. He'll keep that. He'll, he'll be the power in the of His power. And there's many of those days for the child of God. Many of those hours of the day. And you know, sometimes, sometimes we're in wilderness, aren't we? Sometimes we don't see it. Sometimes we don't feel it. But His grace isn't sinned away. He's still there. He's still there. We're unfaithful, but He's not. We have an unfaithful side in us. He is able to keep that which I've committed unto Him against that day. Let's go back to our text in John 6.29. This is the work of God that you believe on Him whom He has sent. Habakkuk said it this way, the just shall live by His faith. The prophet was revealed that it's not the faith of Habakkuk, it's not the faith of man, it's the faith of the Son of God. In John 10.10, Jesus said these words, the thief cometh not but for to steal and to kill and to destroy. I am come that they might have life and that they might have it more abundantly. This is the work of God. That Christ is life. That faith is the, the hand that reaches out to the life of Christ. And that faith is a gift of God. That faith is the faith of the Son of God. Romans 5.21, Paul writes this, that as sin has reigned unto death, even so might grace reign through righteousness, the righteousness of Christ unto eternal life by Jesus Christ our Lord. This is the work of God. That grace is the work of God. Oh, I could go on and on. The psalmist in Psalm 138.8 said, The Lord will perfect that which concerneth me Thy mercy, O Lord, endures forever. Forsake not the works of Thine own hands. That was David. The same one who said in 57.2, I will cry unto God most high, unto God that performeth all things for me. This is the work of God. And David was convinced of that. And Paul was convinced of that. And every writer in this book was convinced of that that it's the work of God. 
and the work of God is life in His Son. And you and I today will not believe unless He reveals to us that it is His work and that He has done it all. It's His power. Paul twice, twice wrote, yet not I. Just because he didn't want the glory to go to him in what he was writing, what he was saying. It's yet not I. The first time was in 1 Corinthians 15.10. He said, by the grace of God, I am what I am. And His grace which was bestowed upon me was not in vain. It was not lifeless. It was not dead grace. But I labored more abundantly than them all. That's the power of Christ in Him. That's what grace is. But as soon as you start to say, See, Paul said, He took the grace and ran with it. Then Paul says, Yet not I. It wasn't me, but the grace of God which was with me. It was the grace of God in me. It was God's presence in me. Then you knew, I would quote Galatians 2.20, I am crucified with Christ, nevertheless I live. Yet not I. What does that mean? You just said you were crucified with Christ. And then you stand and say, I live. But Paul wanted to make sure you knew he didn't live by his own merits. He didn't run with the gift and say, I'm going to go and perfect that gift. We've seen everything contrary to that today in the Word of God. Nevertheless, I live. Yet not I, but Christ liveth in me. That's the living principle. The seed of Christ. And the life which I now live here with my body as I look at my hands, Paul said, that I live in the flesh. I live by the faith of the Son of God. I don't live by a faith that I have. Perish the thought. I live by the faith of the Son of God who loved me and gave Himself for me. This is the work of God that you believe on Him whom He hath sent. Blessed Gospel. Blessed Gospel. If the Lord has ever taught it to you, it's a blessed Gospel. If He hasn't, here's your answer. Verse 30, Then said therefore, What sign showest thou this then? What sign you give us? Can you give us a sign again? The 5,000 and all that stuff wasn't good enough. Can you give us a sign that we may see and believe Thee? What does that work? Our fathers ate manna in the desert. As it is written, He gave them bread from heaven to eat. Then Jesus said unto them, Verily, verily, I say unto you, Moses gave you not that bread from heaven. See how everything in the physicality of religion always goes back to man. Oh, this man said this to me. Oh, this Moses did this. Oh, no, no, no. And the Lord stops them every time and says, No, this is a gift of God. Because manna was a picture of Christ coming down. That's what the whole rest of this is about. I am that bread. They want the physical manna. Show us the physical manna. Give us that bread that we can eat on it. What a difference between this group of people who would follow Christ no more and the woman at the well who wanted the water physical to drink that she would never have to uh, thirst again. But there was a difference in one. It's called grace. It's called Christ's presence. 
It's called opening the eyes to see and, and causing one to depend upon Christ for life. Is this not the one, she said? Is this not the Messiah? Is this not the one we've been waiting for? Who tells her that? The faith of the Son of God. What about these people? What about all of this that Jesus said about the bread and all that, that and you'll never hunger and he that believeth on me shall never thirst? 37, he says, um, all that the Father giveth me shall come to me and him that cometh to me I will in no wise cast out. Meaning, life in Christ is safe and secure. He's our surety. He doesn't lose any of His children. That's what He's telling them. He's telling them, Life, the bread of life is eternal life. This is life eternal. That they may know the Son of God. The Son of God. And the Father who sent Him. That's where life is. It's not in physical bread. It's not in, it's not in eating and drinking. It's not in how much money you have. It's not in your family. It's not in what you push forward every day of your life down here to attain to. Jesus tells them all of that. And then they murmured at Him in 41. And then they got some more good logic. We know where Jesus grew up. They said, is this not Jesus the son of Joseph whose father and mother we know? They live over there across the street. That little house over there, that's where He grew up. That can't be the Son of God. Logic. We, we, we come that way every day. That's our fallen minds. We can figure things out. We can always figure things out in our own way, and our own logic, and tell God, God, it can't be that way. It has to be mixed. Look at me. I'm a, I'm a young man who's got hands to work. I'm ready to work for you, God. I'm ready to build churches. I'm ready to go out and spread the gospel. I'm ready to do all these things. How can they go if they haven't been sent? What's the Lord's work? Is it marvelous in our eyes? Or are we still right here with all these dead religionists? Oh, well, this is where you live. We know you can't be the Son of God. How can you say I came down from heaven? 44, Jesus said, no man can come to me. That's His answer to them. No man can come to me except the Father which has sent me, draw him, and I will raise him up at the last day. He has secured life in himself for all of life and eternal life. See, once again, this is spiritual. But natural man can't see it. Our carnal nature can't see it and will not be reformed. It will rebel. It will kick against the pricks. Jesus then tells them, the prophet said, they all must be taught of God, not of man. He tells them in 48, He is that bread. Then He tells them something that they must partake about on Him. He is the bread of life. His body is the bread. And His blood is eternal life also. They must drink His blood and they must eat His body. And of course, their physical minds are still back there. 
They're still there, and oh my gosh, how can you say that? How can you say such things? The Jews, too, they, they strove among themselves, saying, how can this man give us his flesh to eat? Carnal reason, again, always will keep you from Christ. Always. Jesus explains it. Explains that He is life. And that every child of God must live upon Him for sustenance. He is life. There's no mixture of life. Jesus didn't bring anything in outside of His body and His blood. That includes family. That includes jobs. That includes everything. He is life. That's what true life is for the child of God. That's life. But what was the answer? What's the answer always to carnal man? Verse 60 says, Many therefore of His disciples when they had heard this, they said, This is a hard saying. Who can hear it? Jesus asked them, Does it offend you? Even if I went up and I, if you saw me ascend up where I was before, would you be? Would that change your mind? Nope. No, it wouldn't. Because without Christ, there is no life. He that has Christ has life. He that doesn't has none. The Spirit of Christ dwells in His people. That's what First John five tells us. And then sixty three is the summation of everything that we've said today. It is the Spirit that quickeneth. The flesh profiteth nothing. The words that I speak unto you, I am the life giver. They are Spirit and they are life. I breathe life into my children. It is by my Spirit. Everything is by me. And Jesus looked out and said, but there's many of you that still don't believe. For Jesus knew from the beginning who they were that believed not and who should betray Him. And He knows that today too. Whoever's in this room. He knows it. He knows those who are His. And as I said, the time will come. It always does for natural man. The time many of His disciples went back, 66, and they walked no more with Him. And Jesus looked at His children, His disciples, and He said, Will you also go away? Will you also go where the masses go? Will you also go after the way of the flesh? Will you also go after the way of religion? Will you also see things the way the rest of the world sees it? That there's a mixture of, of grace and man and, and, and Jesus' work and man's work and Will you do that? Will you go away too? And what answer can we give to that? I mean, really, what answer? Because, Lord, we know we're prone to wander. If I'm left to myself, Lord, I'll wander. I will. I know it. I've been shown that I don't know how many times. I'll tell you what the answer to that is. It's the faith of the Son of God that was given to Peter to say, Lord, to whom shall we go? You know why I said that? Because he was convinced there was nowhere else he could go. You and I have to be convinced today that there's nowhere else we can go. 
And you know who that includes? That includes self. Self must die. To whom shall we go? Thou hast the words of eternal life. And we believe and are sure that thou art the Christ, the Son of the living God. That's the difference. Faith. The faith of the Son of God testifies who He is. The Holy Spirit reveals to the child of God Christ lives within Him and He is life and there's no mixture. If Christ hasn't done it, it won't be done. If Christ doesn't do it, it won't get done. To Him be all glory for great things He has done. Dear Heavenly Father, May you add thy power and thy clarity for thy name's sake. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen.